Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Under the Bridge in this corner. Weighing in at, uh, and standing at five feet tall, it's Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And in this <sighs> corner... Applause! Weighing in at also, uh, and a height of significantly taller, it's... Oh, Greg, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Let's get ready for Under the Bridge! Woo! Oh, man, that's... I think that's both one of the longest intros I've ever done for this, and also one of the lousiest. <laughs> I'd say it's equal parts lousy on both of us. <laughs> I'm gonna stand by it, though. Oh, yes. It's it's the week where I saw Creed 3, only me. Mm-hmm. But we're not gonna talk about that just yet. First, got a little bit of game news, a follow-up from the Pokemon Day announcements of last week. One thing I didn't cover, because it was an absolute nothing burger of a thing, is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet now have limited connectivity with Pokemon Go. What you can do is, you can send postcards that you get from gifts from people in Pokemon Go to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. What this will do for you is, it'll give you an item in Pokemon Go that lets you lure in and capture roaming form Gimme Ghoul, which don't exist in Scarlet and Violet, they're only in their little treasure chest. What? But in Scarlet and Violet, what it lets you do is, new Vivalons will generate depending on where the postcard is from. Because Vivalon's whole gimmick is, depending in older games, what region your console was set in, it would cause <laughs> the patterns on this Pokemon's wings to change. Oh. It was a dumb gimmick. It sounds neat, but I imagine in execution it was very stupid. It's just to encourage trading, but also you could do the same thing, I think, just by changing your 3DS's geographical region and booting up X and Y. So there was, like, a workaround with it anyway? As far as I know, but that's not the reason I'm bringing this up. The reason I'm bringing this up is that apparently some users have been experiencing that connecting to Pokemon Go corrupted their save files in Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> nice! Right? Good job, Pokemon Company. <laughs> and that's not all! Some users have reported the same problem from pre-buying the DLC. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, whatever Game Freak did now runs the risk of crashing your entire Scarlet and or Violet save file, so take care, let them maybe fix it first. I still did it, but I did it with my Violet version, where the game was only just started, because, well, as much as I complain about Pokemon, I do have both. Wait, did it end up crashing and corrupting for you? Not yet, but if it does, at uh, least I didn't lose my whole box of shinies, because that's in Scarlet. <laughs> Before you judge me, know that I bought the other one secondhand, they didn't get my money. Fair. And the lesson that should be learned from all of this, ladies and gentlemen, don't pre-order anything. <laughs> I don't even think that's a pre-order problem. It is, it, it's certainly a don't pre-order, but mm -hmm. I say, remembering I still need to pre-order the Blood and Honey Collector's Edition. <laughs> I have a problem. I mean, I will say, that being said, that is a monumental dropping the ball. Like, that's not just dropping the ball. That's dropping the entire, like, shelf that the ball was on. Be like, oh, that's a new level of getting it wrong. Yeah, and there are methods to recover save files that people have tried in the past, and even those aren't working. Even Nintendo support hasn't really been able to help, apparently. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Glad I didn't give them my money for the DLC just yet. <sighs> I hate that I have to. Oh, yeah, because it's just digital content. Yep. So. Oh, well. 
Yep. Price I pay for a complete living dex, I suppose. <laughs> Anyways, I got some movie stuff. Oh boy. Yeah. Clancy Brown has been cast for HBO Max's The Penguin spinoff of The Batman. Okay, so this is the, this is the miniseries or whatever that's taking place in the same continuity as the Batman movie. Yeah, he's going to be playing Salvatore Moroni. Okay. Yeah, the crime boss who's arrival to Carmine Falcone. He's the guy who allegedly, according to Falcone, was responsible for Bruce's parents' death in this continuity. Mm. But who knows, because Falcone's a liar and it could have just as easily been him. As Alfred put it, doesn't really matter. Right. I think Alfred said that. I want to rewatch The Batman, but boy howdy, three hours is a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of tempted to just buy the movie, in all honesty, because I did enjoy it enough to buy a three-hour movie, but but still. <laughs> it's a three-hour movie. I'm excited for this. Clancy Brown, he's really interesting because he's very good at voice acting, obviously. I mean, he's Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob, but he was also Lex Luthor in the DC animated universe, you know, Justice League, Superman the Animated Series, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's also really good at being menacing in person. I'm looking at pictures of him. And including a couple where his Wikipedia picture is only him mean-mugging at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, he can pull it off. <laughs> I mean, he was the blacksmith in Daredevil Season 2. He was Frank's former commanding officer who turned out to be a drug Oh. Runner. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, also Mr. Krabs. Also Mr. Krabs. <laughs> that is a hell of a resume. It's like, alright, and what do you have experience with it? Well, I played the greedy boss in a love children's cartoon. I also played a corrupted military general who also was a drug dealer. I run drugs and I sell Krabby Patties. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the Krabby Patties are the drugs. <laughs> Sponge boy me, Bob! That's me secret! <laughs> uh. So that's neat. I'm still looking forward to this Penguin spinoff, even if there are characters I'd rather see get Catwoman and spun off first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. It's right there. She's even going to Bloodhaven, which means you don't even have to worry about getting Andy Serkis or any of the other big names back. You can cast different people. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Huh. Oh, well. Oh, as a quick aside, apparently, I don't know if we've talked about this or if I'm just now finding out about it. Apparently, he also is going to be in John Wick 4. Oh! Yeah, I didn't know that. That's neat. He's going to be a character called the Harbinger. I like the sound of that. <laughs> as long as it's not the Harbinger from Christ's Son, Infinite Earths. Fair. You know, speaking of, I was going to talk about something else first, but I'm just going to jump right into it. Mm-hmm. One of the co-creators of the Arrowverse on the CW, uh, Mark Guggenheim, he said, in a, this is in a February blog post, but it's just now making the rounds this week, mm -hmm. that from a career perspective at least, the Arrowverse was a waste of time because it hasn't led to anything. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny considering I, I didn't even make it like four episodes in. <laughs> yeah, so the full blog post, or at least part... A fuller part of it, where he talks about the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline that aired tail end of 2019. He said, The project, a live-action adaptation of a seminal comic book series that made a significant impression on my psyche, was more than a labor of love. It was a labor in every respect, and a project where I spent every ounce of capital I'd amassed in developing DC Comics-related shows for Warner Brothers over an eight-year period. 
I called in every favor, I used every chit, I burned every bridge, I even spent $10,000 of my own money. <laughs> Afterwards, my phone did not, in fact, ring off the hook or otherwise. Fans loved what we did. There were tweets, there were posts, there were memes, there was much discussion, all of which I was and remain deeply grateful for. Working on these shows, we always reminded ourselves that the opposite of love was not hate, it was apathy. And no matter what, there was never any apathy. Except for, well, Hollywood. <laughs> because he pointed out not only is he not part of James Gunn and Peter Safran's writer's room to help assemble new DC, apparently he didn't even get a meeting. Oh, that sucks. It does. Yeah. On the one hand, I wouldn't want him anywhere near it, because yeah. I don't think the Arrowverse was ever especially great. Yeah, but at the same time, considering everything that spawned from it, I feel like a, if for out of professional courtesy, if nothing else, it's like, all right, you've made enough noise with what you've done on the TV side. Some like meeting if, if for no other reason than to just like kind of jostle ideas around probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. It is a shame, because the only argument I could make is if you know you're not going to go with him anyway, why bother? But, as you said, mm -hmm. professionalism. Yeah. You could at least acknowledge the fact that even if I... Okay, I think the Arrowverse is painfully mediocre, bordering on bad, and now it's just kind of been spiraling out of control while shows get cancelled left and right, and now The Flash is ending, so soon there won't be anything left of it. Right. But... Lasting that long and crossing over that many shows that many times, it's something. It is. The way I, I thought about it as you were talking about that is that if nothing else, if we're going, okay, we're not going to go any further with this idea, but considering how long it lasted, how much it crossed over, and how many different ideas got intertwined in it all, I feel like at that point I'd just be like, okay... We should probably talk to these guys, if for no, for no other reason than to figure out how they went through these things, and, cynical as it might sound, figure out what not to do. <laughs> yeah. What were the really hard parts. Right. There's, a, there's another cynical part of me that also can't help but think Warner Brothers might honestly be kind of irked that you did Christ's Uninfinite Earths in the first place, because you know that's the kind of thing that they would want to cover in movies. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side... Warner Brothers was never shy about cutting stuff from the CW shows because they had plans for it in the movie. Mm. That's why the Suicide Squad stopped popping up, because they had the movie coming out. I think that's part of why John Diggle never became Green Lantern, because they always had some kind of plan for him in the movies. Okay. Green Lantern specifically, not John Diggle. Yeah, yeah. Although, apparently his actual name is John Stewart, so it was... Agatha all along, I suppose. But, still, yeah, it it really does suck, and he concluded it with, simply put, the Arrowverse hasn't led to any other gigs, so it feels, at least on a career level, that I really wasted my time. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and that's a fair take to have on it. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate if for no other reason than the thought of all that time put in, and all those years and whatever, just being like, eh, yeah, I put everything into this, and it was a waste of time. Whether or not it was good, that's still a sucky realization to come to. Agreed. I guess Warner Brothers is busy moving ahead with that Detective Pikachu sequel. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Kreisel is in negotiations really? to direct the sequel. Is it... Okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's still happening, go figure. Yeah, I didn't think the movie needed a sequel. Did the mo How well did the movie do in general? Pretty good. 
Oh, okay. Is it still gonna have Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> yeah, nothing's confirmed. Hmm. But maybe. <laughs> you gotta imagine, yeah, otherwise, what if it's somebody else getting their mind merged with a Pikachu this time? Somehow. That would be... I feel like at that point, it's like, alright, you gotta have multiple questions about the ethics of the Pokemon universe at this point, if this is a regular issue. Well, it's not like it was done intentionally the first time anyway. I'm fair. But, I... Wait. I, I, I ma- hmm? Okay. I'm getting an idea. Oh no. So, there's a Pokemon called Manaphy, right? <laughs> okay. And, in the anime at least, Manaphy has a move called Heart Swap that can make people switch perspectives. Hmm. And it's basically body swapping. Okay. <laughs> so, Manaphy shows up, I'm thinking, body swaps somebody, whoever the main character is with Pikachu, and now you've not only got that person stuck running around in Pikachu's body, you've got Pikachu stuck running around in the human's body. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like chaos, and I am all for that. I That probably won't be it, but God, I, I want it written down now. I want it recorded. That's what this podcast is for, so that way if that ends up being what happens in a Detective Pikachu sequel, Warner Brothers owes me money. <laughs> that they probably don't have, but oh well. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I'm not litigious enough to think that that's how it works. Mm. It'd be nice, though. It would be nice. I called it. Send me $50,000. To start with. Wow, the, this, the transitions for this just pretty much write themselves, because speaking of Ryan Reynolds... Oh, no. <laughs> he was at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival mm-hmm. in London. And Saturday night, he was talking with Rob Delaney, Peter from Deadpool 2. Hmm. And Delaney asked if he was planning a sequel to any of the films he was part of, like Free Guy. And he said, there is the potential to do a sequel to Free Guy, which would be fun. I would love it. But also, like, does everything fucking have to be a sequel? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes it's okay to just do a movie and have it kick ass and then everyone go home. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm whiffed out on Free Guy. Like, Free Guy was an amazing movie, but I don't think it needs a sequel. No, I'll agree to that. Green Lantern also came up, inevitably. <laughs> How did that go over? <laughs> well, uh, he said there were just too many people spending too much money, and when there was a problem, rather than say, okay, let's stop spending on special effects and let's think about character, how do we replace this big spectacle thing This that isn't working at all with something that's character-based, and that just never, the thinking was never there to do that. And to their Mm. credit, it's a very old school way of looking at things. It's just, let's keep spending our way through this. And that was, it didn't work. At the same time, there are 185 people that worked on that movie. They all had an amazing time. We loved shooting it. Truly. Shooting the movie was a lot of fun. But, you know, sitting in that premiere, watching that, oh my god, it's tough. So basically what I'm hearing is that the production of the Green Lantern movie is not very dissimilar from Toyota's efforts in Formula One in the late 2000s. A really fun time, and then the results are a car wreck? More or less. Alright, I picked up the analogy despite having no knowledge of what you're talking about! (laughs) Well, it's like, not so much car wreck in that when Toyota first entered Formula One racing, they sucked. They were not competitive at all. And Toyota was like, how do we fix this? Let's throw even more money at the problem. (laughs) And it still did not fix anything. (laughs) And they bowed out of the sport after, like, what, two or three years of racing, I think. All right. I want to say Toyota 
had the record for the most money spent in Formula One in a single year. (laughs) And they had no results to really show for it. So I imagine it's not the, the production of Green Lantern, especially when Ryan Reynolds was saying we had people where it's like, oh, this isn't working. Let's throw more money at it. That's kind of what that reminded me of. <laughs> Here's another choice quote. Mm. First from Delaney and then from Reynolds. Oh, boy. Delaney asked whether watching the premiere had made Reynolds butthole flutter. <laughs> to which he replied. Oh my god, it was like a ukulele down there. It was crazy. Mm. It was an odd (laughs) feeling. It was not a feeling I wanted to repeat. So I really spent the following years just owning as much as I could. It was the only way to kind of process it. God, Ryan Reynolds has such a way with words, and I can never tell if it's in a good way or a bad way. (laughs) The man could tell me he's a giant leprechaun, Mm. and I might believe him, because he shit-talks with such a... Such a straight face. So for the longest time, especially after kind of caveat, Deadpool came out, I I kept on seeing things where people were like, no, he's like this all the time. And it's like, he can't be like this all the time. And I watched video clips of a show called um, Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place or something like that. Oh my god. And, and I watched him like in the show. It's like, holy shit, he's been like this for like 30 years. <laughs> Horrifying. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe he hasn't gone insane yet, in all honesty. Who says he hasn't? <laughs> but why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the man the man bought a sports team, or co-owns a sports team. I don't remember how that arrangement works. And a telecom company. Right? Yeah. Which he is I crazy. Heard. He is crazy. <laughs> Good for him. Mm. Now this one... We're going to come back to it a little bit because we also got a trailer for it just today, the day of recording. Mm -hmm. But we also got the full cast list for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Oh boy. And this shit is crazy. First of all, the turtles are actually being voiced by teenagers. Oh really? Everyone in the cast, I checked, is from 15 to 19 years old. Cool. I mean... The thing that caught me out, like, originally was that, I guess, Seth Rogen is, like, the head producer of this as well. But having them actually have teenagers is cool and surprisingly not done very often. No! We got Micah Abbey as Donatello, Shimon Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo, and Brady Noon as Raphael. I don't Mm. recognize any of them. No, I don't either. (laughs) To be fair, though... I am now officially old. I'm approaching 30. (laughs) Ergo, I am not in on the young up-and-comers these days, unless they're in a Marvel movie. (laughs) Right. Or a DC movie, I suppose. (laughs) But what I really want to talk about is everybody else. Mm. Because first of all, they're bringing in so many characters, it's insanity. Mm -hmm. But also, we got Natasia Demetriou as Wingnut, Ayo Adebri as April O'Neil. Jackie Chan as Splinter. <laughs> Hannibal Burris as Genghis Frog. Okay. Rose okay. Byrne as Leatherhead. <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady are going to be voiced by Seth Rogen and John Cena. Really? Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman. This is expensive. <laughs> Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko. 
Maya Rudolph is Cynthia Utrom. I don't know how you pronounce that character name. Ice Cube is Superfly. <laughs> okay. And Post Malone is Ray Filet. Wait, they got Post Malone for they this too? They got Post Malone! <laughs> what is this? Expensive as fuck. <laughs> this is crazy! That is hilarious. Oh my god. I, mm. I, this movie was not on my radar, and now all of a sudden. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the trailer, but the trailer alone, and I know this is what trailers are supposed to do, but not every movie accomplishes this. The trailer alone was like, all right, I went from generally not caring about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles my entire life to, I need to see this movie now. <laughs> Same. You know what? Let's just go straight to trailer time. Let's just start with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So, yes, initially became hooked by the use of A Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so that was instantly like, all right, we've got several brownie points already. <laughs> and then? Honestly, so when the when they first started talking, I was like, these don't sound like adults, but maybe they're just really good voice actors. So the fact that they're actually teenagers is really cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I vibe with this a lot more than I thought I was going to between the um, humor, the general vibe, the art style, because it like I don't want to compare it necessarily to the Spider-Verse, but that is what it reminded me of. No, it does feel but, very Spider-Verse-y. Yeah, it's... For me, as I was watching it, it's like, this feels like the animation and art style is Spider-Verse, but kind of worse. But because of that, it's more unique, and therefore, I like it more. It also so feels a bit dingier, you know? A little less yeah. vibrant neon colors popping, curvy dots, and more... Just a lot grungier and a lot grimier. It does look like something out of the 90s. A lot oozier, if you will. <laughs> that was I hate to say it almost but that is the part that actually sold me on the movie <laughs> when they're like and you were hit by some like mysterious goo uh actually uh, we prefer we call it the ooze ooze yeah it flows off the tongue better <laughs> I think that's just supposed to be a nod to how they've always referred the mutagenic thing that caused them to become freaks of nature but <laughs> just like I just love how all ooze. of them were saying the word and then you said Raphael is the one who has like the red yeah, but that I, I kind of want to go back to that bit now, because that feels like a Michelangelo thing. I mean, it probably... Unfortunately for me, since I didn't really... I don't really care about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or at least didn't have it for most of my life. I don't know their names, and I can identify them right away. But when, like, when whoever's up front, when he's just, like, going ooze and, like, just twiddling his fingers around, I was like, alright, this is really funny. That was I Leonardo! Really he's in blue! Movie. Oh, he's in blue? Okay, what is... Like, <laughs> did I completely misremember it? I'm guessing blue is Mikey. Oh, man. I just said Leonardo's in blue. Oh, okay. Um... What do you mean by Mikey is blue? No, okay, <laughs> I don't know so... their names! <laughs> okay, let me give you a breakdown, alright? Leonardo's mm -hmm. in blue. He's the leader. Yes. Donatello is purple. He's the nerd. Mikey mm -hmm. is orange. He's the party animal. Raph is red. He's the angry guy. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Alright. You can also tell them apart by what weapons they're using. Hmm. Generally. Fair. No, this th this does look fun. This looks very fun. And I say that as somebody who I'm also not super invested in the Ninja Turtles. However, I will say the 90s Ninja Turtles movie remains a favorite of mine. 
Mm-hmm. If for nothing else, because it's immensely quotable, my favorite being cricket. Nobody understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. <laughs> so good. I don't think I ever. Well, if I did watch it, I don't remember anything about it. But no, this this looks jam packed just based on the cast list alone. Mm. It's very fun to look at. Like I said, not in a pleasant sense, but in a you can really appreciate the aesthetic they're going for sense. Yeah. And while the ooze bit got you, the part that got me was Donatello getting the sigh in his leg. <laughs> and just him screaming about it. It's still there! <laughs> <laughs> is there blood? Mikey, look out! <laughs> no, I can't wait. This is coming out in August, apparently. Oh, okay, so we have to wait a little while for it. Yeah, on the upside, that does technically mean less of a gap between comic book movies than I thought. I thought it was going to be waiting for not seeing The Flash and then seeing The Marvels. <laughs> waiting for not seeing The Flash. Oh, no, wait, Blue Beetle's also in August. I hope it's not the same weekend. Oh, oh, that would be bad. Oh, I hope not. I'm going to have to check. Mm. Mm. Oh, dear. We also got our first teaser trailer for the new Haunted Mansion, now with less Eddie Murphy. This looks like fun. Yeah. And it also looks genuinely terrifying. It's one of those ones where it didn't necessarily grab me the most, because, mm. I don't know, it hits that vibe of it's not necessarily all that scary, which I get it, it's based on a Disney World ride, so it's not necessarily going to be all that scary. Mm -hmm. But I would have liked maybe a little bit more horror, but if nothing else, I'm drawn to it by the cast, because the cast in this is also impressive. Yeah. Even if it's got Jared Leto in it. Wait, which one was Jared Leto? I don't know if he was in the trailer. Oh, okay. It's unfortunate because I don't think I ever watched... No, wait, no, that's not correct. I did watch the original Haunted Mansion movie, I just don't remember anything about it. But with this one, it's like, alright, this, this looks like a very good time, and... Looking it up real quick, the cast list for this is also very crazy because it's Oh, right he's from... the Hatbox Ghost. The Hatbox Ghost. Okay. Hmm. When Owen Wilson first showed up, it was like, oh, okay, this... I was thinking it's like a particular tone was going to be there because of Owen Wilson showing up. And while part of it is there, it was definitely, at least from the trailer, a lot more horror-centric than I was expecting. So it's like, hmm. okay, this this looks like a good time. <laughs> Plus, you've got Owen Wilson with the, not on our watch, what are you going to do with that? They're dead. Yeah, they're going to be deader. <laughs> that also kind of killed me. That was <laughs> <laughs> just the, I don't even care, I'll swing at a ghost, I'll throw axes. <laughs> when you said it was like, they're going to be even deader, I was laughing, and then I also said, shut the fuck up, Owen <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, that was funny. That was very funny. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Mm -hmm. got, we only gotta wait till the end of July, because it's now taken the spot that previously belonged to the Marvels. Mm. So July 28th. This okay. ought to be a fun time. Oh, yes. I'm gonna let you go first on the trailer for The Blackening. <laughs> so, first thing, I actually don't like the title of this movie. I don't blame you. When it starts intro with, they all can't die first, I was like, that's a much better title. <laughs> like, that should have been the title of this movie. You know, I'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a catchy tagline, but it would have been a better title. 
Yeah. Oh God, no. This <laughs> this heavy rolling. <laughs> um, some of which are things in the trailer that I cannot repeat on air, but it had me rolling at two particular parts. The first part was when they were like when they come across because this is kind of like your usual thing of a bunch of people show up to a haunted house or what have you find a board game and they have to play the game or die in this case but apparently not because of any intrinsic thing to the game it might just be somebody's using the game as a setup yeah but when they come across the game this board game is racist as fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, this game is, when they open the box and show the game, I was like, I actually went, ooh. <laughs> it's like, we are full on 3D menstrual show right now. <laughs> oh. It's like, this is something to behold. And when, also the bit where the, um, the antagonist is introduced and it's like, you have to play the first round. It's like, I think if I remember correctly, it basically goes along the lines of everyone knows that in horror movies, the black person always die first. In this case, you have to kill the person who's the blackest. And it turns into a whole thing of discussing who's the blackest, which is annoyingly stereotyped, but still kind of funny. Especially when the one guy is like, yeah, I can't be the blackest. Like, why not? I voted for Trump. I was like, oh! Twice. Twice. I was like, no! Just, and they the all start... face twitches during that. <laughs> and, and they all start going after him. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, get his ass. <laughs> Amazing. He's not the blackest, but he definitely deserves an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that I sat through all five Scream movies in a relatively recent span of time. But I'm a little bit sick of... Overly genre-savvy horror movie buffs who know the rules of how things work die anyway. Yeah. But this does look this does look at least like a pretty funny time. Oh, I'm absolutely seeing this. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think this movie's going to be particularly good, but I am absolutely seeing it. <laughs> the one that got me, other than the I voted for Trump twice, was the <laughs> bit at the end where... The one woman is trying to psych herself up for whoever's on the other side of the door, and then she says something, and then she just goes, eh, Nope, that's 2DMX, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> oh shit, that's right. Yeah, yeah rest no. in peace, man, that sucks. <laughs> no, I, oh, I, I am seeing this. When does this come out? That's an excellent question that I never bothered to check. Hold on. The blackening. I, I will forever stand by. June 16th. Wait. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. It's coming out on Juneteenth. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is coming out on Juneteenth. Oh, that is brave as fuck. <laughs> oh, that... it's the same weekend as The Flash and Elemental. Is it now? <laughs> huh. Oh, this well, is a con- well, probably not for you, but this well, is no. A this this actually puts me in quite the pickle because I was <laughs> I was gonna go see Elemental because I'm all for the Pixar movies releasing in theaters as opposed to going straight to Disney Plus to die. But on the other hand, <laughs> I've got way more interest in this than I do Elemental. Uh, God, I do kind of want to see Elemental too because Elemental looks cute. 
Maybe we should just shoot for... Maybe we should just rub salt in the wound and try to shoot for a double feature that weekend, and neither of them are The Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or push come to shove, you see one, I see the other, and then we can trade at some point. Yeah, I guess. This movie comes out on Juneteenth. That is... I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I mean, they did reference it in the movie, so that's... Yeah, I, I 100% mean, intentional. It's one thing to reference it in the movie. I didn't think they would actually shoot for re- releasing it <laughs> at that time. We can't. Uh, That's pretty spectacular. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this movie's going to be good, but I really want to see it. <laughs> Shall we move on to box office? Sure. All right. Turns out I saw the highest-grossing domestic movie this weekend with Creed oh boy. Three. Yay. Took in $58.3 million domestically. It's currently sitting at $101.4 million worldwide. Apparently, oh this is the highest opening weekend for the entire Rocky franchise. Huh. Alright. Not 100% sure if that's just domestic or if that's worldwide, but either way, good for it. Apparently, it's got a $75 million budget. Okay, so they're on the way to at least breaking even. Yeah. In a dreadfully distant second place. <laughs> oh boy. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Really? It has dropped to $12.8 million domestically this weekend for Oof. a $187.1 million domestic total. It's currently sitting at $420.2 million worldwide. At this pace, it's a very real possibility that it's not going to beat Ant-Man and the Wasp at the box office. It might close around 500 mil, which actually would put it closer to the original Ant-Man. Well, what's its budget? I think 250 mil. Huh. Well, that green screen, bruv. Yeah, that's... There hasn't been a Marvel movie that's lost money yet, right? Uh, Eternals might have? Hmm. And there are movies that have made definitely less than they would have liked them to, I'd assume. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's fair, but I, it's like... I don't think is gonna lose money, but it's also for something that was hyped up as being an Avengers-level event, introducing the Multiverse Saga's Big Bad. Not a good mm. look. No. And I didn't, I didn't hate the movie, but mm. I can see why this is going on, and I really hope Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 manages to pull it around. <laughs> Third place, Cocaine Bear. Oh boy. Took in $11.1 million domestically for a $41.4 million domestic total. It's currently sitting at $52.3 million worldwide. Budget of mm. 30 to $35 million, so it's it it's getting close to making money. Hmm, okay. Fourth place, I didn't even realize this had come out, Demon Slayer to the Swordsmith Village. What? Yeah, another Demon Slayer movie. Okay. Took in $10.1 million domestically. For a $35 million worldwide total. Hmm. And then in fifth place, not Avatar! Really? No, it's still Jesus Revolution. <laughs> so does that mean that this is the first weekend where Avatar is not in the top five? I don't know. I haven't been paying that close attention, but I'd assume? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's a safe bet. Because, yeah, I don't know. But quite possibly. Oh, okay. Yeah, it took in $8.6 million domestically this weekend. Jesus Revolution, that is. 
and is sitting at $30.5 million domestic total. Still no worldwide release, apparently. Okay. So, Hmm. it's a weekend of surprises. Hmm. Some good, some bad, two of which involve Jonathan Majors. (laughs) Fair. He's at the number one and the number two, I just realized. (laughs) Good for him. Yes, indeed. Anyways, Creed 3. Tell us about Creed 3. Okay, so in preparation for this movie, I watched the first two Creeds, but I kind of passively watched them. Hmm. Where I was paying attention, but also I was doing other stuff and therefore got distracted at points. Hmm. I think I like this one the most. Okay. At the very least, this one feels the most standalone. Hmm. Obviously, it's it's hard for me to judge because I've only seen the Creed movies and I haven't seen the Rocky movies. But I feel like with the first two Creeds, because one of the points of contention here is that Sylvester Stallone wasn't in Creed 3, although he is still a producer on the film. But Mm, who knows to what extent that means he was involved. Yeah. But when Sylvester Stallone was in the first two Creed movies, all it kept doing was reminding me oh shit, there's still six of these movies that I haven't seen that I maybe should have watched beforehand, but to be completely fair, eight movies about boxing in a short span of time <laughs> is a lot. Yeah, that's that'd be enough to drive most people insane, so I, I don't totally blame you there. And I, I've heard they're good movies, and I do hope to catch up with them at some point. It was just I was kind of on a time crunch. Right. That I imposed on myself, because I could have been watching these at any point. Mm-hmm. But, no, I like this one. This one feels a lot more standalone. There's a few nods to stuff, like they mentioned giving a nobody a title shot was a thing that happened before. But, other than that, you honestly, I don't even know how much you would need to have watched the other creeds. Obviously, it oh. helps inform the emotional journey, but... I feel like maybe this one might work on its own. Okay. Because, so what happens is, Adonis Creed, Donnie, he goes out undisputed, unified heavyweight champion of the world. Mm -hmm. And he retires. And I think some years pass after that. And it turns out an old friend of his, Damian Anderson, played by Jonathan Majors, has just gotten out of jail. He's looking to get back into boxing because he stayed in shape the whole time. And despite him being even older than Adonis, Adonis ends up helping him get a shot, partly out of necessity, partly out of a sense of obligation. Mm. And things go wrong. (laughs) And it's really hard to get into it without spoiling it, which I can't do because you still want to see it. Yeah, I'm hoping to see it this weekend. But, all in all... I did like this. It was a good time. Jonathan Major steals the show. Not surprised to hear that. <laughs> as he does in almost everything I've seen him in so far. Yeah. But there's a real sense of... There's a real sense of something lost in this. Mm. Between them, I mean. Not that there's something missing from the movie. Oh, but between, like, the two characters? Yeah. Hmm. And it gradually escalates and what have you. The fighting is impressive. Mm-hmm. It is a little more exaggerated than the other Creed movies, I think. Mm. 
Again, I was passively paying attention, so I might have missed it, but this one, this one has a couple of weird, I've affectionately called it Creativision moments. <laughs> it's just like bullet time and Max Payne, but Creed. <laughs> y- yeah, kind of. It's a thing where everything slows down while he zeroes in on a weak point, and then it goes in a slow motion while he takes a shot at it. It's like, it's like what you'd expect if they made a punch-out game now, because you know they'd add quick time events. Aim for the upper upper chest, and then discombobulate. Yeah, when he when he starts going in, I'm half expecting a I'm half expecting the triangle button to pop up with a slow <laughs> with a quickly closing circle around it, just like mm. get it, go for it. It's one of those things where I kind of like it because it feels more exaggerated a little bit. Right. After three of these, I start to go, okay, all this hinging on boxing matches feels a little silly. <laughs> but honestly, I think it kind of works. Right. Like stakes, stakes can be whatever you make of them, and you can take hmm. something utterly mundane and small. Not that boxing is, because it's a sport where people actually die and suffer lifelong injuries because the sport is horribly regulated. But yeah, <laughs> still, it's one of those things where, e- even though it's a sports match, you still feel like something is actually at stake. So that's good. There are some things that I'm not a huge fan of that I'm not going to go into because there's spoilers. There's one thing that's very clearly done to drive up drama and also, I guess, to emphasize a sense of isolation near the second end of the second act, start of the third act, I guess. Hmm. Not a huge fan. Everything is kind of wrapped up a little too neatly for how heavy it went. Okay. There are some things where I go... Okay, but you still did this, this, and this, and you still have to answer for this. So, oh, okay, huh? Uh, oh, so it's like everything's fine. No, everything is not fine. There are still several consequences that need to happen. Yeah, there are some things here that I feel really need to be wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Which they haven't said it's the last one, so who knows? Maybe they'll have a Creed Four. <laughs> Alright, and we pick up from where we left off. I- I'm just making this joke out of guessing. Half of the people in this movie have gone to jail. That <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be that bad. Mm. There were some there were some people who I wasn't really expecting to see back, which was interesting. Mm. Okay. Obviously, Sylvester Stallone's not one of them. Yeah, no, I mean I I kinda figured Well, I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like I Part of me thinks it's like, if Sylvester Stallone's gonna be in the movie, they would show it in the trailer, but also at the same time, it would be, like, the biggest, like, hey, gotcha, if it's like, oh, no, he's actually in the damn movie. (laughs) (laughs) But, eh, I don't know for sure, because, like I said, I haven't seen the movie yet. Like, uh, hopefully, I'll be able to see it this weekend, and I guess we can talk about spoilers next week. Yeah, it's also very well acted, obviously. I mean, you've got Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Felicia Rashad. Myla Davis-Kent does a really good job as Amara Creed, Donnie's daughter. Oh, like the little one? Yeah. Nice. Apparently, I think her actress is actually deaf, so that's neat. Oh, okay. Because obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, because I don't know if you ever caught up with the Creed movies as well, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, in the second movie they have a daughter and a concern is made that she might have similar hearing problems to what Tessa Thompson's character has. 
Mm. It turns out apparently they're worse because she's actually deaf, but... Well, it's... I mean, it's neat that in doing that, they also got an actress who is also deaf. Yeah. Like, rather than having someone be like, okay, act deaf. It's like, I'm sorry? <laughs> that would be a little difficult. Yes. What else? What else? It, it really... Uh, I, I can't harp on enough about Jonathan Majors that he actually makes Michael B. Jordan blend into the background a little more by comparison. I mean, again, not completely surprised to hear that. I kind of figured, even though Michael B. Jordan is, like, you know, not the central focal point, it's like, he's going to be the person that's going to be, like, the focus, or at least takes the focus for most of the movie, isn't he? And it's one of those ones where it's not like, okay, Robert Downey Jr. is a good actor, but also a lot of his characters feel Robert Downey Jr.-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I haven't really gotten that, having seen him... Having seen Jonathan Majors in three different movies in the last, what, five, six months? Yeah. They all feel different. I know it's still him, obviously, but it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like there's anything necessarily uniquely common to all three of them. I mean, I guess if anything, that shows, like, how great his range as an actor is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, considering he played a fighter pilot, a maniacal fascist, like, killer... (laughs) And now a a championship contending boxer. That's a lot of range to cover as an actor. <laughs> I also find it kind of weird that they make a whole thing about when when Creed's getting back into the game that he's older. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan Major's character is older than him, which nobody ever really brings up. I mean, it's it's also one of those things where, while I understand why that gets brought up, there has been multiple instances in sports in general where it's like oh they're old i mean statistical anomaly yes but hasn't really stopped a lot of people if they're like fit enough to make something out of it and i guess it's not really fair to say they don't bring it up because they do bring up that jonathan major's character is older than adonis but it's more a thing of once they're building up to that final fight they only ever treat it as a problem for adonis Hmm. like ah, yeah you've been out of the game and you're old and it's like what about this guy He's in prison for 20 years, and he's even older. Yeah, no. The other guy should be the one who's actually at a more significant disadvantage. Especially because it's been some time since the fight beforehand, but it's also a case of, you gotta imagine he's taking some damage from that one, and once you get older, those injuries are harder to shake off. So, I don't know. I'm not a Mm. I feel like part of the problem is I don't really know boxing rules, because there's some stuff that goes down where... All I can think is, I feel like this should be a bigger deal than it is. Right. Like, there's a couple of rules violations here and there, but it goes on anyway, and I'm just like, I... I don't know, they're complaining about it like it's a big deal, but if it... But, it all It ties into the everything kind of wraps up a little too neatly kind of thing. Right. It's... It, to God, it's hard to do without getting into the actual details <laughs> of what goes on, but... <laughs> giving it my best. I am sorry for making your life more difficult. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. If anything, it's an interesting challenge. Let me check my notes and see if there's anything non-spoilery in here. Okay. Felix has sands for a hype man. Has sands for a hype man? <laughs> oh, yeah. When the current heavyweight champion comes out, he's got a guy in a skeleton mask and a jacket with a smoke gun or something paving the way for his entry. <laughs> 
Shiver me timbers. <laughs> We're going to have a ton of fun. A skeleton. Doot doot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's just about it. I mean, it's definitely worth seeing. Hmm. If anything, this makes you want to go back and watch the Creed movies again, and this time try and pay a little more attention. Because unfortunately, if I'm not watching it on a big screen, my attention span is hard to keep. Fair. And I think that about wraps up the Creed episode. Alrighty. Or review. Whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Next week, we're probably going to get Greg's opinion on Creed 3. Because the movies that are coming out this weekend are Champions and Scream 6. And I don't blame him for not wanting to see either of those, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't sit through five Scream movies to not watch Scream 6. Mm. Oh, I wish you luck in your endeavors there. Yeah, thanks. And thanks mm. to everybody who's listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, follow us on Facebook or Spotify or TikTok or wherever you want to. That's it. Those are all the places. Right. Because I still haven't gotten around to setting up a new Twitter. <laughs> I know I have to eventually. But anyways! This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye! <laughs>